On this edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad, we begin a three-part series, Draft Preview and Draft Recap, presented by Advent Health. Part one features Orlando Magic Assistant General Manager Matt Lloyd, and we are very excited about this. The full pod squad, Dante Marcatelli, George Galante, David Steele, Jeff Turner, all catch up with Matt to kind of get some insight into the Chicago Combine that happened a couple of weeks ago, the draft process for the Orlando Magic, what it's been like actually having guys come into the facility, go through workouts, uh, where this Orlando Magic organization stands. Obviously, Orlando goes into the draft next week with the fifth overall pick, the eighth overall pick, and the 33rd overall pick. So some terrific insight from Matt on where the Orlando Magic stand a week before the NBA draft. And all that is coming your way on the latest edition of Magic Pod Squad. This is the draft preview presented by Advent Health. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad. This is the Draft Preview, and it's brought to you by Advent Health. And we are pleased to be joined by Orlando Magic Assistant General Manager Matt Lloyd, along with Jeff Turner, David Steele, George Galante. And, Matt, I probably shouldn't do it. I, I always mention George last when I kind of do the rundown. I, I I hope I'm not giving him a complex. But should I change up the order a little bit, or, or what do you think? He, he is he is definitely a, a a key cog in the entire yes. Orlando Magic pod pod squad uh, wheel. So, no, um, I'm, I mean, my, maybe I'm, maybe it's. Maybe it's random assignments as to who gets introduced first. <laughs> he, I'm first always second. used to being called last. It's fine. Dante Galante, <laughs> last. It's fine. Last on the pod squad. No, no problem. It's Joel and George. And tri- it's fine. It's I'm last. I get it. It's, I, it's, no, I know no, my no. role. I know my role. It's fine. Last, last is best, George. Last, <laughs> that's best. A, it's, last but not it's least. It's a marathon, exactly not a sprint, right. Dante. You know, guys, I was looking at this. Is, Matt, is this going to be your 10th draft here with the Orlando Magic? Is, is that possible? That you've that that you're coming into your tenth season here in City well, Beautiful. That's astounding. This will be my tenth season coming up. Um, it'll be my ninth draft because I um, my contract in in Chicago uh, went through the draft. That's so right. the year that the team took um, Andrew Nicholson and, and Kyle Quinn, um, I was actually participating in the draft with the Chicago Bulls, and then I literally got here July third that year. So um, yeah, I'm going into my tenth season. It's Unbelievable how quickly time has flown. You know, I'd like to take the opportunity to jump in there and just ask you this question about just because I think it 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 follows up nicely. When you started doing this in draft rooms, could you give us an idea of the difference in the way operations worked for a draft way back then? I mean, beyond ten years ago, and now how many people are involved? How much input do do you have? Does Jeff Weltman, John Hammond? have in, in who you're going to select at five and eight or wherever the picks may be. Just give us an idea that, of the difference, what it's like now. That That is such a great question because David, like, um, you know, amazing. He's amazing. Orlando magic hall of famer. And that's, that's why that question. And is it why. shows and, right there. And so um, I'm really not sure like, why Dante and George and I are even on the call. Really, <laughs> well, It's been be fun, man. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. I got, I We're got just to listen to lost ground. You guys, uh, you guys threw me under the bus last week. Didn't even include me with, Coach Mose. <laughs> so I got to jump in there quick today. That's why I'm sorry about that. Little scheduling quirk. The answer to that question actually could be its own podcast, really, in, in many ways, because the evolution of the, the, the draft process, you know, and that word is thrown around in pro sports and in the NBA in particular, you know, maybe a little too much in, in, the, in recent years. But we literally, um, 
I would say, I guess 19, oh geez, 99, maybe it was the first draft. I really had access to the draft room and I was literally, Hey, go get us, you know, coffee, go, go do, go this. And which was, I was so happy to be there. It was notebooks. It was binded notebooks of information. There was far fewer staff, um, you know, analytics comprised of looking at Jeff Turner's points per game and rebounds per game and shooting percentages at Vanderbilt for 36 um, minutes. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that, that might've started, that might've started, uh, that might've started like in 2003, you know? So um, the evolution of that entire process and, and the way that it's gone to, from what it was to what it is now is, is there's, there's not enough time to, to talk about it. Um, we have, uh, we have scouts that cover everything. We see everything. And generally there's times, you know, in the, in the early two thousands where, especially with in the European scouting realm, maybe the general manager didn't see the player play in person. You know, we have so much access to video. We have so much access to stats. We have so much access to information that we have. Um, we have, there, there's no reason that we shouldn't have seen every player last yesterday, the NBA this year is a little different because the senior class had to declare for the draft early. Um, so the NBA uh, submitted a list of the official early entry list uh, for the entire draft. And it's our responsibility to know every single guy on that list, because we have no recourse to say that we didn't see that guy. You know, we have so much staff and so much information. So um, our responsibility, like as scouts, and, and it's something that, you know, we take very seriously among our little group is to give Jeff and John all the information that they need to make those decisions. So whether it be, you know, a scouting opinion, whether it be um, background information, whether it be um, what we call Intel and, and, and how the player um, adapts to coaching and, and the sociability that they have with their teammates, all that sort of thing, analytics, um, that's all our responsibility is to gather that for every player that, that we could possibly have any interest in, in remotely drafting, 1% chance. So while they're charged with this huge, huge responsibility of making those decisions, um, our job is to really allow them the, the capacity to make the right decisions by giving them the information that they need. Now, you, we were talking beforehand, and you brought up a great point. It was only seven months ago we were in this position. You were going through the draft process. Um, by the way, you look a little bit different. You had your, your, uh, isolation hair going and stuff like that. Um, but you know, what's interesting is I was thinking back to that and you were telling us in that podcast about the difficulty, no NCAA tournament, not being able to get out and see the guys seven months later, still some issues I'm sure with travel and everything, how has preparing for this draft improved or since last year or last seven months ago, I guess. Yeah. The, the, the range of conservatism um, amongst the, the NBA and, and how they approach the scouting process this year is super wide. Um, our, what we opted to do was to, you know, operate almost exclusively on video until we got to a time like in March, um, February, March, where there was a comfort level enough to, to travel. Um, I actually went and saw uh, with Jeff and John Gonzaga play because they played in Fort Myers, Florida the day after Thanksgiving last year, just just because it was too unique an opportunity to pass up. And um, we knew that the team was going to be good. We knew that they had, you know, some pretty high level prospects on their team. And then we, we went to the NCAA tournament uh, for an entire week and tried to see everyone that we had to, to see in person. The in-person visits that we've had a, a, a 
like a lot of players cycle through here in Orlando that are in that five to eight range um, over the last three weeks that those have been critical just, just to kind of get one in-person um, look at a guy. But this goes back to David's question um, that again, we have such great access to video. We have such great access to information. Um, everything is taped. Everything is available on our, on our like digital video servers. So we've been able to cover everything responsibly. And then that cherry on top was, was really getting to the NCAA tournament and, and seeing all the top prospects in person um, at least one time. So um, it, it's, it was, de- it was definitely an interesting thing. We'll be able to, to, once we get um, an ability to, to decompress and, and really analyze everything that we did this year, I think we're going to be able to take a lot of things from what we did this year and then augment them with, you know, a, a, a semi-regular travel cycle for next year. At there's so many different layers to going into the draft. You know, you have the, the, the regular season, the, the NCAA tournament, then you have the scouting combine, then you have individual individual visits for the players to the teams. What what is the aspect of it that you like the best? What what what's the most important to you out of all of those uh, different areas leading up to the draft? Yeah, I think um, that's a good question, and and to, to get back to the combine, the combine was really critical this year too. And, and, and it had, the NBA did such an incredible job of organizing it, getting the players to participate. They allowed um, the, the different agencies to, to run their own pro days where we could watch the players work out. Um, it was, I mean, in 25 years of, of like watching the combine and watching the evolution of the combine, um, which again gets back to David's question. This was by far, the most um, the most amazing representation of that combine experience. I think George, for me, um, it's really the, the 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 best part of it is really getting to the games and 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 being able to to size someone up in person and being able to say um, how does this player stack up against NBA and really think about it. You know, all this the stuff about meeting them and 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 all the stuff that we do is all really really important. But it's that first stop, and it's like that's what you know, you, you, you hope for as a scout, you hope to go see something that you weren't expecting to see. Um, and just kind of like jonesing for that feeling, um, over the course of the season, cause it's going to happen once a year, you're going to walk in someone and say, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that guy was that good, you know, or I didn't realize he was that big. Um, you know, we can, I can look up at the, at the, the current rosters on my little board here and, and, and point out example after example of ex- expectations being exceeded. So, I think it's for me, it's just like at that old school, you know, scout being able to, to, to track down someone on the trail and, and be, um, be blown away by them initially. I think that's the part that I look forward to the most. You know, it's interesting. You got a lot of FaceTime on TV there at the combine. You and John were sitting there courtside watching those games. I, you know, I see a guy jump up and he hits his eye on the rim. And I think that's the number one pick in the draft. So how do you, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's all, that's all the, that's all the scouting I go by, which is why I'm not invited into the draft room. How do you, what are you watching? Well, you mentioned when you go to a game, a college game, when you're sitting there watching the combine, what are all the things you're trying to take in Matt? I think it's, it's such a, um, there's such a huge amount of information that you're trying to assess at all at once, you know, and not knowing, um, especially when you first see that the player and not knowing who they are as a, as a person, you know, and that, that part is, is so critical too. And that's why we have these, these visits to, to really sit with the players and have dinner with them and, you know, really 
understand after two days, it's hard to kind of keep putting on a show as to, you know, who your true character is. But, you know, when we're sitting there watching um, and you guys all could do it too. I mean, you, you're all, you've seen hundreds of no, games, Dante thousands can't of do NBA it, games. Dante can't, yeah. can't do it. No, <laughs> no, he I'm can't out. do it. I'm just Not along out. for the ride, fellas. <laughs> the, the um, we, we're sitting there and we, we watch them and, and you, you really, the, the, the NBA is the 450 best basketball players in the world. And there has to be layers that they have to go through to, to be able to participate at that level, you know, and Jeff, Jeff played, played in the NBA. And, and, you know, when Jeff walks in the room, you see him and he's like, wow, he's so tall and, and big. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then you couple that with the ability to shoot and pass and dribble and understand how to play and then be able to function 200 days a year with the same group of people um, and, and, and not allow frustration to get boiled over and, and, and be able to handle success and be able to handle failure. So there's so much that goes into it. And there's so much that Jeff um, Weltman and John Hammond, they really have to, you know, boil down at the, 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 the zero hour to be able to make that decision. Um, so it's our responsibility again, to, to, to kind of present all that information and allow them to augment it with their own, you know, um, with their own, with their own input and, and, and likes and dislikes as well. So I, I think, you know, the, the, the first critical one that I look at is, is, are they big enough? You know, are they tall enough, strong enough, athletic enough, fast enough to, to compete physically in the NBA? And then you go to the, the skill, are they skilled enough? Are they, can they shoot past dribble? Um, you know, and, but everyone does it kind of differently. And I kind of just go through those check marks, check boxes in my, in my mind as I'm sitting there watching. We're coming off um, the NBA Finals. Uh, the the Finals MVP Giannis was picked 15th. Best player for uh, Phoenix was picked 13th. The MVP this past season was a second round pick, Jokic at 41. What are the chances, Matt, that in five or seven years, one of the best players in this draft is somewhere outside of the top four or five? Yeah, I think you know generally if you go back and 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 study the draft over the last 20 years or so, there's probably, you know, six, seven players that have an opportunity to make the all-star game. And that would probably be the first level of those, you know, really, really good players. And then of those six and seven, how many make all NBA? And then of those, you know, uh, players that made all NBA, how many make, you know, the MVP caliber level player? I, I think the, it's, it's such a, um, all those players that you mentioned, you know, John Hammond drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo in, in, in Milwaukee and he drafted him 15th and everyone had seen Giannis um, over the course of that season in, in Greece that year. And John was the one that was willing to like take a gamble and take a bet that what we had seen was really going to manifest itself into what it's become, you know? And I think what Jeff and, and John in particular have done over the last couple of years here is establish, you know, a, a sense of accountability and a sense of a player development program here. Um, Hiring Jamal Mosley is going to augment that player development program. So some of those players that you mentioned, um, they benefited from the context in turn, into which they were introduced in the NBA, you know, and they were allowed to, um, they, they were lucky enough in some cases to be put with the right teammates and the right coaching staff in the right system. And then they grew and they got better and their confidence, you know, redoubled and doubled and doubled. And this is what they became. Some of it is them for sure. Some of it is their character and their willingness to work and, and kind of, um, you know, overcome some of the, the, the limitations that maybe people had put on them. And some of it's the organization and the context under which, you know, they, those players grow. So there's probably a good likelihood, David. And, and, and those odds are as good as 
you know, these top 10 picks, the two top 10 picks that we have, it's probably, you know, there, there, there's even odds on, on, on both the field and, and the top 10. Um, I would gamble. I, I don't know, but, but every draft, there's usually, you know, six players that kind of come out six, seven, eight, nine players that come out as, as first that all-star caliber level player. And then, you know, the, the all NBA caliber player. No pressure though. We just need one at five and one at eight. So no big deal. <laughs> no pressure at all. No big deal at all. That's totally fine. Just make sure one's at five and one's at eight. Totally. Yeah. Fine. That's, that's, that's the goal for sure. And, and, you know, I think uh, I have to kind of give a shout out to our staff in the way that everyone's approached this pre-draft process because it's been difficult, you know, given some of the restrictions placed on us by, um, you know, the COVID restrictions and, and, and how we've, you know, had to deal with getting to this point. So eight days away, I guess, um, big shout out to the entire staff and how they've handled, you know, um, all the compilation of information and, and, and getting to this point, but George is totally right. There is absolutely no pressure on them. Five (laughs) and eight have to be those players that David mentioned. As long as we're on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like you're in a good place, Matt? Do you need the next, will you guys all be gladly taking the next eight days to circle back and get everything? Do you feel comfortable about five and eight or, uh, what, what, what will the next eight days look like as you now you have to process all the information, interviews and everything you've done? Yep. So I think we're at the point now we have we have a workout today and we have one on Friday. And um, and we, our hope was to initially was to make the last workout day to, tomorrow, the 22nd. And it didn't work out that way. So we're going to have one more workout scheduled for Friday. And then we have that entire six days to you know kind of finalize our meetings. Um, you know, meet with all the people we have to meet with that have compiled all this information um, outside of the scouting group and, and, the, and the front office group um, and, and really kind of get nose to the grindstone in terms of it's not cramming at all because we've been preparing for this whole, whole the whole year. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the tenets of our group is that we don't have to ever get prepared because we're always preparing. And uh, so, you know, we're just going to finalize everything. We're going to sit down and kind of line everything up. Um, say, okay, this, this person's going to have a chance to speak. This person's going to have a chance to speak. And this person's going to have a chance to speak. And then we kept that last six days open in case something were to pop in case something were to happen. And um, we weren't going to be locked into, you know, a calendar. We, we have, we'll have meetings, we'll have, and we'll also have the capacity to, you know, um, enter new information. Should someone say, Hey, I'll come work out or, or uh, a couple of days before the draft. There's so many times in the last 20, 25 years where, you know, there's a couple times in Chicago, we had workouts the night before the draft. There was a, a couple times here a couple of years ago where we had a high lottery pick that, that the player we ended up picking decided to come, you know, late in the process, two, three days before the draft. So we have to be prepared for that and we have to be ready for it. And that's why the calendar was kind of set up as it was. And in hopes of allowing, you know, Jeff and John in particular, the, the space and the time they needed to, to really kind of boil all this stuff down, but I'm sure the staff will be happy on, on Friday when, <laughs> when we're, when we're done cycling these, these, these groups of, of players through, um, because there's a lot of logistics that go into it. And, you know, I can shout out a couple of people on the staff and as to how they've handled it, it's been, it's been expertly done. Matt, is it you, best laid plans? You've just laid out a calendar, but this is a fluid process, I'm sure. And a lot of people probably listening um, you know, you read about teams lower in the uh, in the draft, wanting to move up and things like that. When, you know, for people listening and everything, when do those start calls and, and things start happening uh, leading up to the draft? Yeah, I think um, one of the little models I keep 
keep in my head at this time of year is, you know, you, you hope for the best and prepare for the worst. So, um, you know, Jeff and John are really good at, 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 at starting, starting those phone calls and starting to kind of like reach out to other teams and see where it'll ramp up this weekend. I think this is the weekend where it, you know, people start to play cards, you know, and then when you get to Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, um, you know, more cards will be played on the table and, and there'll be a little bit of an understanding as to what we're going to do. I think you can reference the trade deadline from last year and as to how, you know, um, organized and, and um, communication based all that was because we had so many like balls in the air and there was so much juggling going on. And by the way, we were at the NCAA tournament, almost majority of this was happening. So it was four or five games during the day, you know, into the evening and then, you know, meeting late, late at night to try to work through all the, the different iterations of what was going on. So next week, the, the cards will start getting played at the tables and, um, you know, we'll have to see where everyone's at. But Jeff uh, and John in particular, they do such a good job of, of canvassing people and, and trying to get an understanding because they have, they have pre-existing relationships for so long. You know, like they've both been in the, in the business for so long that um, they have, they've established a level of trust among our peers and our, and our colleagues at other teams that um, those communication and, and the, that dialogue is, is pretty seamless. Matt, is there ever a point? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. That's all right. Go ahead, Drew. I was just going to kind of follow up there about uh, um, to follow up on, on Jeff's question just a little bit, George. Sorry about that. That's but okay. um, what do you think the chances are? You've been doing this a long time. What do you think the chances are that this will be a chaotic draft? Um, you, you, do you have a feel like kind of a take a temperature of the league? And uh, are there a lot of teams that are itching to you know make moves and do deals or some years, I'm sure it feels like it that way, and some years it doesn't. Maybe you never really know for sure, but what does it feel like right now for you? I, I have a feeling like there, there's an impending storm coming. And, and part of it is the, the, the question that we answered earlier was there, there wasn't much time for like the, the scouting like foot soldiers um, across the league to establish a consensus. So what that means is, is that um, teams of this year, it's going to be very interesting where we'll – kind of value and, and, and weight different prospects differently than maybe they have in the past. And again, access to information of uh, the conservative to, to, you know, liberal travel schedules that some teams employed. Um, it's it, I think that there's very, very, it's going to be very difficult this year to really peg who's going where, whereas in the past, it may have been a little bit easier. The combine is always like the time where, you know, teams start to say, well, that team likes so-and-so and and this team likes the such and such. And there's two different types of that. There's like legitimately real Intel that that's realistic. And there's just gossip chatter, gobbledygook that means nothing. And our jobs at this time of year is to, to kind of parse through what is the the chatter and the, the, the gossip and the rumors and what is real and what is real is comes from, you know, the established trusted trust-based relationships you have with other teams and, and your colleagues at other teams. And, and kind of getting that information into the right hands, Jeff and John in particular, to to uh, to kind of weed through it. So this year could be could be really wacky. There, the number of teams that control first round picks and second round picks is so imbalanced. There's 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 a bunch of there's like a few teams that hold you know thirty five percent of the picks in the draft, and we're one of them. And we've got three of the the top thirty three picks. So. Um, the transaction cycle at the draft, I think is going to be crazy. I, I, I would imagine that, um, you know, ESPN is probably gearing up for a, 
a wild and woolly night as well. So Matt, how much information is too much information? Because you've mentioned it a bunch of times. Well, we take this information and that. What, where do you draw the line? Because we, we've seen the, I and mean, we have an enormous analytics department. We have a lot of scouts out there. They're all giving you their opinion. Where do you draw the line at what you need and what you don't? Yeah. And, and that, that's a really good question because there is, a, you can be kind of struggle with paralysis by overanalysis a little some, sometimes, you know, or is that right? Yeah. Paralysis by overanalysis. But it's when we kind of put this all together, you know, it's not Matt Lloyd's ranking. You know, it's, 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 it's a consensus of everything we've worked on to this point of the year. It's a consensus of like taking our first rankings. Um, and then we, we, we do like rankings and grades. We do that monthly throughout the year. So um, I try to protect us from that in, in some ways. And, and especially Jeff and John, because there's, there's so much, there's so much, uh, you know, there's so much, like so much noise around this time of year, protection from noise and protection from, you know, too much information and what's the right amount, what's the right information. Um, I'm pretty, pretty um, in awe at times of some of the guys on the staff and how they've grown and how they've really been able to adapt to um, the, the, the way that the, the year is unfolded and evolved and stuff. And they've been able to bring opinions, not just based on this is how I see it, but they can explain it because they have facts that they're using to back it up. So um, we try to protect from that. Like it's a, it's a really critical part of this time of year. But when you're saying you, I know you each have individual, you, you have your rankings and another scout has their, do you, when you come together every month to look at your rankings as a whole, do you then make one ranking as the team and then go back off on your separate ways based off of that collective team ranking? Or do you keep your individual boards and not make an, uh, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you, do you yeah, wait yeah. until the, you know, just before the draft to make one collective ranking group, or do you all keep your individual rankings for seven, eight months and then only come together one time and, and mash them together? We, we try to, we try to put them together throughout the course of the year. So we know where the, where the group stands at times. And now this, this time of year, we're tweaking it like incrementally every, every, almost every day we're looking up there and saying, okay, this, we got this information. We got this piece of information we got um we saw this this guy came in and worked out um so this impacted us in this way and so we're just kind of tweaking and stuff and and you know jeff and john at their core are scouts you know so they have they have the ability to really impact that because they have they're they're applying what they have seen and what they've you know the information that they've got is to it so that's really a it's a really a, a cool position to be in because they but they trust us and they, and, and, and they also have their ability to add the spices into the stew as well. So, you know, we're tweaking it constantly at this point of the year. You know, Matt, I got to ask you, there's so much excitement here in central Florida about uh, the young guys that are on this roster. You get seven guys on this roster, 23 or younger. Uh, you're going to add three more, <laughs> which is amazing. So I, I guess, uh, you know, and coach Mosley is big on development. So I guess, can you just kind of give us some insight into how that's all, all going to play out? What, what excites you about what he brings to the table from a development standpoint uh, that you think is going to be a great fit for all these young guys? Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be a part of that process this year um, where, you know, in hiring Jamal and, and going through the interview process and the information gathering process for that. So um, the thing I would message to our fans and, and, and the, the hundreds of thousands of listeners of the Orlando Magic Pod Squad <laughs> is that, you know, we, we have, th th this is, this guy is a really good communicator and he's a really good, um, he's a really good coaching prospect. And I've been really 
so blown away just by the impact that he's made on some of the players in this four or five days that he's been here, five, whatever it is, a week that he's been here. Um, his staff, the, the, the Nate Tibbetts is, was here, was his first day yesterday or two days ago. I've lost track of time and it's like a Marvel movie right now. I have no idea what time it is or where we are on the timeline. But um, so Nate is, is like a noted player development play, uh, coach from his time in Portland. So those guys, the guys that are here are going to have benefited from the previous coaching staff and they're going to benefit from this coaching staff. And um, Jamal is, is, is really about constant development and evolution on a day-to-day basis and the way that he communicates to people and the way that he um, presents, you know, like his, he's got a presence. Like when he walks in the room, if you didn't know anything about pro basketball and you didn't know anything about the Orlando magic um, and like if he and I went to a restaurant in winter park, um, I mean, people would say, well, that guy's someone, you know, cause he just has that, that, that aura about him and he's got an ability to communicate. And, you know, when he talks, it's you, people listen. So, um, you know, I'm pretty excited about it. And, and it is, there's a lot of young guys and it's going to be, um, it's going to be the fun is going to really be in the journey and watching them all kind of grow and evolve together. Um, that's, that's what, that's what I'm most looking forward to watching. Did RJ Hampton grow, Matt? Is this true? I, I, he was down there yesterday or, or the, again, like I know got lost track of days, but he was down there yesterday, the day before. And, um, I don't know how tall he is now, but he's taller. He's taller. And, uh, you know, they've all been waiting and they've all cycled through and worked out. It's the first time I can remember having this many people in, in the gym, like at this time of year. And it might be a product of, you know, the season's going to start again in like three months, um, just so we can get back on the normal calendar. At the same time, I think it's a testament to these kids and the way that it's been communicated to them, the importance of this off season. I mean, they're not kids, obviously they're, they're pro basketball mm-hmm. players, but um, the way that it's been communicated to them, the importance of what, you know, what the impending season is going to look like and kind of getting on the same page with everyone in, at the same time. So um, it's been really encouraging. He, he does look bigger and his shooting is, he's, he's really been shooting the ball really well watching them in these, in these like kind of, tidbits of, of time that I've been able to see. Matt, when you see me next week too, I've also gotten bigger just so you know, it just, it's not in the, not in the, not in the same yeah. way as RJ. I've gotten yeah. bigger around the waist and in the face yeah. a little bit. I put on some size too. Yeah. A little, little poundage. <laughs> I can say the, the, the one, the one, um, the one, the best thing about there was a, there was a little period of time when some of the families came in and, and uh, you know, when we were kind of going through the vaccination process and I got to hang with George's wife. And that was the best part of the entire vaccination because she's hilarious. Yes. um, I get, and then, and then, and then, you know, I had side effects and I was down for the count for four days with a 102 (laughs) fever. So I don't know if one related to the other, but uh, it it was, but it was odd. Yeah. I've had side effects for almost 20 years. Oh, that is awesome. Wow. (laughs) That's your last time on the show. That's my last time living, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Matt, before we let you go, can can we ask you for, for, I I don't, we won't get into timelines or anything like that, but Jonathan Isaac and Markel, how how are their spirits, your interaction with them? Do do we feel like J.I. is getting close? Where where are you with those two guys, uh, you know, from from an update standpoint? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I, again, you know, this is the time of year where I've been, uh, you know, so consumed by sure. you know, getting all these get stuff done, just walking through the gym, you know, Jonathan was shooting down there yesterday. Um, you know, and they look, they both look like they've like Markel was down there last week. Um, 
shooting and kind of getting pre- prepared. And he wasn't wearing a knee brace. And I, and I kind of like, it almost is, is kind of like touching to see you yeah. know, him to reach that stage and to reach that point in his return, knowing that you know, when we were coming in here testing every day throughout the course of the season, you know, he was on crutches and then he was on an, and then he had like the full break, the full leg knee brace. And to kind of see him grow and evolve to this point where there was no knee brace, he was, you know, maybe 80% um, in terms of his movement stuff. It was really cool. And he's been, he's done such a good job of like putting himself in a, in a, in a good spot um, mentally and, and, and preparedness wise. Um, I think we're going to see a different version of him. I think we're going to see a different version of both of them, quite frankly, but um, you know, they, they both, they both progress to the point where you can start to see the old versions of them and what has evolved into the new versions of them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, then that's just, again, from not, just this this last two months of draft prep and kind of being in the gym as they're sure. as they're preparing for the season but it's it's definitely exciting to see them both you know operating um at a, at a physical level that was somewhat reminiscent of what it was previously well that's awesome well we really appreciate hey, Dante, the time yeah Dante, go ahead, before, we, before we let him go i gotta ask one question um, there, there's a couple of pieces of art in your office. Um, are those works of a famous artist? And if so, what uh, gallery do you do you purchase your yes, art from? Well, I'd like to get like to get some of that. They'll be so embarrassed because they're now they're teenagers. They're teenagers now, and you know, and you know what that means. Like that that means like I don't really I don't mess with Uncle Matt anymore. But my nephews uh, drew this. Uh, drew these two pictures when they were, I don't know, probably five. They would come to the summer league every year. George would get them a credential. They pretended like they were scouts and, you know, now they're, and then this is uh, my niece. She's actually, she's actually staying with us for um, another week. So it's kind of neat because my, my wife and her get to go do their stuff. But, and, and I've been at the, and we said the other night, I said, uh, it was like seven fifteen or something. And I sent them a text message. Hey, I'm, I'm coming home. I'm going to be ready for dinner. And she said, my, my niece, she's 11. She said, wait, you're coming home already? I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, hey, it's, it's seven at night. So, um, but yeah, they would be embarrassed to, to, my two nephews would be embarrassed to, to, to know that I still have those up there because they're big time twin teenagers now. But, but they, those were the, the drawings they gave me a long time ago. That's, oh, that's awesome. Great, great stuff. Very cool. That's great. So they didn't draw it as teenagers. That, that was drawn a long time. <laughs> I think to ask them to do anything creative now would, would entice, would, would entail them doing some on TikTok or on Instagram or um, that's right. know, a social, a social media platform. I think that's the only way I get to talk to them. So. All right. Well, now's the time as we close, you just pan that camera around, let everybody see the board and we'll be on out of here. <laughs> that's actually, it's actually um, virtual. Now we have, a, we have, we've evolved to the point where we don't use uh, a, a board anymore. We have it on a computer. So Stephen Mervis, virtual whiteboard. In, anybody could break into the room and see the board. That's actually pretty smart. That's really good. Well, Hey, the, right. the, the, there's, there's definitely someone that's hacked into this zoom. You know, and it's going to be no question. Put because this is this is big time stuff here. So somewhere, somewhere like <laughs> this Belgium has hacked into this Zoom. So you think it's up there with Chad Ford and all, all of their breakdown? I, I would agree. I would agree. We're at that point. Absolutely. All right, Matt. I, I appreciate. It. I know you got a lot to do. Thanks so much for doing this, and and good luck. Like George said, uh, we're all excited, and, and we're looking forward to it here next week. Guys, I can't thank you enough. That I always enjoy the opportunity. Come on, it's uh, it's one of my favorite listens for sure. So. Thank you guys so much for the time. And, uh, you know, we'll see you, I guess, in eight days or whenever it is. All right. He is Matt Lloyd. This is Magic Pod Squad, the draft preview presented by Advent Health.